Welcome to Interchain FM, where we dive into the frontier of the blockchain space. We're now in the third generation of blockchain tech, where a burgeoning multi-chain ecosystem is about to explode into what we call the decentralized web. Where Ethereum is to the mainframe computing era of the internet, Cosmos is to the PC era. If you're seeking alpha in the Cosmos ecosystem, look no further. This is the destination for your exponential learning experience. Interchain FM is where you can get the download on all of the high signal projects, building bridges to one another, and how you can participate in the future of the internet. Today we're here with Hyung of Crescent Network mm -hmm. and uh, B Harvest. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to this uh, program. Yeah, very excited to have you. Mm -hmm. um, so Mainnet has been launched for mm -hmm. at least a quarter now. Yep. Um, what's been the latest? What's the progress? Yes, we have been really busy uh, preparing the launch uh, from our uh, history uh, in in the Cosmos Hub when we have uh, Gravity Dex and then we migrated to our own chain to have its own tokenomics and improve further, faster, and innovate it uh, to for different features. So uh, now uh, we are having our own Dex in Crescent Dex uh, with order book feature alive uh, actually uh, two weeks ago. So we have um, order book and also ranged uh, liquidity feature. Those are for uh, maximizing the capital efficiency for liquidity providing. So we are uh, pursuing more um, sustainable way to uh, provide liquidity uh, uh, without uh, uh, spending too much capital uh, locked and too much native token inflated. So uh, we are uh, pursuing this way. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to cover the sort of 2.0 version of mm -hmm. Crescent Dex because there's plenty of content out there that al already covers the basics. So we're just not going to cover that. I think mm -hmm. um, CryptoCito and Liam does, they do a really good job of covering the high level mm -hmm. and your background and the background story of yeah. Gravity Dex. Um, so we're just going to go into the technical deep dive. Okay. Okay, so you talk about capital efficiency yep. uh, in your hybrid AMM slash order book yep. decks, right? Yes. So it's not a straight up X times Y equals K sort of um, paradigm. Mm -hmm. What does that even look like? What does that mean? Is there a curve involved or yes. where does the order book come yes. in? Yes, uh, let me explain uh, this way. So uh, at first, uh, all the traditional finance and centralized exchange used uh, actually order book, not AMM. Uh, that has a very good uh, reason uh, for order book utilization. Uh, the order book provides a most capital efficient way and most uh, widened freedom for traders to uh, explain their uh, liquidity uh, with their uh, own freedom. Uh, but uh, AMM is, uh, came into Ethereum uh, mostly because of the uh, gas efficiency and and the all the performance problem in Ethereum, so like order book on chain is quite uh, practically impossible for them to provide for users. Uh, order book was the um, one of the most important uh, piece of uh, exchange and trading uh, in centralized exchange and traditional finance with very good reason. 
because of uh, maximized uh, capital efficiency, maximized freedom for traders to provide their liquidity, uh, and so on. So uh, we still think that that is the most optimized way for uh, exchange and uh, provide liquidity. Uh, but still in blockchain uh, ecosystem, especially in Ethereum, uh, the gas price and the performance uh, uh, problem uh, caused uh, impossible for them to provide order book in Ethereum. So uh, that was a, a time where uh, innovation came out from Uniswap, uh, the AMM, uh, providing automated market making uh, without uh, too much transaction onto the exchange so that uh, they can save all uh, a lot of ca gas uh, uh, problems and then they can uh, provide liquidity without hassle. So that was the context for AMM. And we moved to different area. Now uh, we have most modern uh, blockchain w without such a gas problem, uh, actually including Cosmos, Solana, or any other layer one a blockchain now does not have like major problem with gas. So uh, in that means that um, there's no um, critical needs for AMM to be provided in this like 2.0 blockchain uh, because they don't have any problem with uh, performance. So uh, this is time where we come back to the original ser service, uh, Audible, which has the most optimized ways and also like most uh, freedom to be provided. So, um, but still AMM has its own uh, advantages uh, because it's, it is automated. Uh, more ordinary people can invest into this liquidity providing activities. So it is democratizing the participation uh, for this uh, DEX environment. So we believe that uh, those two methodology has its own advantages and uh, combining them into one market will be the ultimate solution for uh, this uh, environment. So that is why we created this uh, hybrid DEX uh, from start. Actually, the Gravity DEX itself was a hybrid DEX and we migrated to Crescent. And uh, this is the, uh, the context for the hybrid DEX. So we believe that uh, most of the on-chain DEX will be audible DEX rather than AMM. Uh, not in Ethereum right now because they still have that uh, gas problem. But in other blockchain, I believe that Udobo will be the uh, ultimate solution. So uh, uh, rather than this uh, Audible, uh, we also have ranged liquidity feature in our uh, current uh, version. So uh, this is another um, dimension of approach to have a more efficient liquidity in our DEX. Uh, so from AMM, uh, ranged liquidity is uh, AMM, but uh, providing liquidity within uh, price range. So it means that uh, the basic AMM uh, from Unisub version 2 or other DEXs, most DEXs, uh, it provides liquidity from price zero into infinity to every uh, price uh, we can imagine. Uh, but if you can see the price chart for any kind of token pair, especially like packed uh, tokens with a narrow range of price uh, for volatility, uh, you can see that um, most of the trading volume is uh, happen within a certain price range and uh, other liquidity provided 
uh, outside this price range, uh, those are uh, wasted, uh, does not used at all. Uh, but it is the capital is locked there to wait uh, for the price to come in that range, uh, which is not going to happen. So uh, in, in that sense, uh, the capital efficiency is really low in this like basic AMM pools. Uh, and it caused uh, a lot of problem, uh, especially when we want to like farm this liquidity pools, then uh, they uh, deposit a lot of capital and the APR is calculated by the rewards divided by their capital invested. So uh, when we expect like uh, several tens of APR uh, necessary for investment, then you need to pay like more farming rewards for these liquidity providers. So it is very uh, expensive and it causes a lot of inflation for native tokens and it is not good for the tokenomics. So we, we are approaching this with uh, this range liquidity uh, so that, uh, like, uh, let me have an example. So if we have an Atom versus USDC pool uh, with a basic AMM with one, maybe uh, 1 million uh, TVL, uh, and uh, when we have a range liquidity from price range to $5 to um, about $20, then uh, we, we have this kind of uh, keyword called amplification factor, which means uh, the the multiplication of liquidity uh, from same TVL. So we, if we have like $1 million invested into this ranged liquidity, then the actual liquidity compared to basic AMM will be multiplied about uh, uh, three point something or four, four times. Uh, I need to calculate it exactly, but it is like three to four times uh, higher liquidity than basic pool. So it means that it will provide liquidity like basic AMM with like 3 million or 4 million US dollar. And, and for a uh, more uh, extreme example would be something like uh, USDC pool. So uh, we already have in Crescent uh, USDC pool trading USDC from Gravity Bridge and USDC from Axelar. And uh, we have a price range from minus uh, 1% to plus 1%, which is 0.99 to 1.01. Uh, uh, so in that case, our leverage is about uh, 200 times. So it means that we, with uh, $1 million, it works like $200 million liquidity. So- uh, 200 million? Yes, because it's 200 times. So uh, it that means that the slippage will be 200, uh, one over 200, uh, lower than basic pools. So that is why Uniswap version 3 is winning the game of this uh, stable coin uh, swapping uh, market. So uh, that model is really uh, increase the capital efficiency of these uh, pairs. Uh, okay, so, so from what I understand, this is kind of like the protocol doing fractional reserve banking mm -hmm. and uh, utilizing a larger portion of the uh, amount that is custodied on chain to do whatever it wants mm -hmm. uh, to to allocate it mm -hmm. 
to various DeFi protocols to earn yield, mm -hmm. if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah. So where does the extra yield go to? Could you repeat the question again? Um, yeah, when you have a protocol that is systemically more capital efficient okay. than its competitors, mm -hmm. how is the user able to capitalize on that? So is it through liquid staking or is it okay. just by virtue of the nature of yeah. how the AMM is designed mm -hmm. or the order book is designed? So I think we, I need to come back to uh, my uh, beginning of our project so that we can, uh, I can explain more about the uh, big picture and yeah. uh, top-down approach uh, for what we want to do. It, it would be helpful to get your insight mm -hmm. as a like a professional market maker in your history yeah. before you join blockchain yeah. just to help contextualize the learnings from tradfi to mm -hmm. web3 defi mm -hmm. so uh that is kind of a little bit different topic to discuss but mm -hmm. what i experienced uh so far in in the traditional finance is that uh, the system is uh, very um, not optimized, uh, especially for ordinary users. So uh, when they uh, provide liquidity, all the professional market maker traders uh, come in to uh, participate liquidity providing, uh, mostly them and not from uh, ordinary people. And most of the liquidity is provided with the market maker with very uh, strong advantage, technical advantage, mm -hmm. and like um, connection advantage, information advantages. So uh, they provide liquidity with their advantages so they can make more profit from their trading. So uh, that means that uh, in the opposite side, there, there will be like liquidity consumer, uh, uh, mostly ordinary users. Uh, they are going to suffer from the trading loss uh, coming from this advantage uh, from this professional trader. Uh, it doesn't mean that it is n not a fair um, competition. They just don't have the same resources and access yes, to information. Yes, uh, they have different environment, different uh, situation. And then uh, uh, because of that, they are uh, losing uh, for their trading activities. So uh, that is uh, the main cause of this problem is uh, sequential execution. So sequential execution means that if there's uh, orders coming into the exchange, then sequential means uh, one by one, it will be executed uh, with the time priority. So uh, when the order is came uh, like one millisecond uh, uh, front of other um, orders, then it will be executed first. So uh, when you have this low latency, you will get more profit uh, from your strategy always uh, when you uh, use your information in a very uh, good way. So uh, this is uh, the problem of, uh, we say, unnecessary low latency competition uh, happening in traditional finance, also happening in Binance, happening in Uniswap, uh, happening in every other DEXs. So that is a problem of a sequential uh, execution. But uh, we are approaching this differently because uh, uh, it is called uh, batch execution. So batch it's similar execution, to what in Injective does. Yes. So the 
the batch execution allow uh, all the orders to come into the same block and then execute it all together without any prioritization within a block. So uh, like this low latency difference for these orders uh, will be negate each other so that there is no uh, time priority within this block. So it uh, significantly reduce the technical advantage of professional traders so that it benefit ordinary traders. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, pursuing a vision to provide more fair uh, marketplace uh, for uh, wider audience. So that is our one of our vision and approach for our exchange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happens if the validator themselves are corrupt or colluding mm -hmm. and sandwiching the people that they're batching. Yeah, so uh, cartelization is a big problem in, uh, especially uh, for also for POS. Not not especially for POS, but also in POW. But in POS, uh, cartelization and censorship is not completely solved. It's a, a open question to be solved. Uh, it's a, a matter of magnitude. Uh, for the decentralization of validators and monitoring system and the all the other uh, stuff. Uh, thankfully, if because we have this um, um, batch execution compared to sequential execution, a batch execution has less uh, risk for this uh, uh, manipulation of uh, orders because if you uh, switch your uh, orders time. Uh, for validator, it doesn't work in our system because everything is compute, computed equally. But still, you can censor uh, some of the orders you don't want to see in this block. Uh, so validator can censor this uh, transaction so that they can have better execution price. That is still possible. So uh, our approach is to socially monitoring the uh, mempool of each node so that uh, is there any statistical uh, significant uh, difference uh, between their uh, proposed block and the transaction list in the mempool so that if we, we can see like very uh, large amount of time uh, with very strong evidence, statistical evidence that this validator is manipulating uh, intentionally or unintentionally, uh, the result is that uh, without in uh, intention still it the validator is causing uh, the problem of fairness in our exchange so that will be uh, a topic to be discussed in governance so that we can have some uh, ultimate uh, solution for that uh, extremely extreme uh, situation will be uh, expel this uh, validator from our network so this is more like a social approach mm -hmm. uh, to solve this censorship problem uh, within POS. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to tell you about Interchain FM Stake. Interchain FM is not only a podcast, but also a steakhouse. IFM Stake is a premium sushi-grade steakhouse running on Osmosis, Umi, and Comdex. If you get your alpha from this podcast, show us some love by delegating to Interchain FM Stake. Of course, that's always a theoretical problem, but we have been running BFT POS chains for uh, several years now, mm -hmm. and empirically, we just don't see that too much. Mm -hmm. And when it is caught, they're mm -hmm. kind of 
uh, it's transparent at least. Yeah, but still, um, the the thing happened uh, in this like microsecond um, world. It is not really uh, visible for ordinary people usually. Mm-hmm. So you, we we don't know much about uh, what Goldman Sachs is doing within the ultra mi- microsecond world in the uh, Nasdaq exchange or other things. Uh, we, we just know uh, from article, but we don't know exactly what is happening and we don't have any problem problem with that. Uh, so uh, like MEV problem within Ethereum, we are talking about it a lot, but still most of the people does not understand the problem, does not understand the magnitude of the problem. Uh, so uh, it is, Really, a uh, important thing to for the professionals and more uh, experts to research these statistics and share this information to the broad uh, audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that in in proof of work, it's a little bit more opaque just because of the nature of the pseudonymity or the anonymity of the miners. Mm-hmm. Um, but in proof of stake, each validator. Yeah. yeah, you you could just see it right there. Yeah, because the validator business is more about reputation. Yeah, and and it is all the naming and all the reputation is revealed already uh, publicly. So uh, they care more about reputation because uh, the reputation can uh, crash their business uh, completely. Mm-hmm. So so we think that there will be more uh, like social trust uh, on this matter. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, proof of work, trustless, proof of stake, trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, going back to the capital efficiency question, mm-hmm. you wanted to cover the context behind the original vision. Mm-hmm. Currently, we have uh, quite a challenge uh, um, explaining our vision uh, because of like different kinds of uh, history background uh, within our team. So we uh, started work with uh, Gravity Dex, but we migrate to Crescent Dex. But our core vision was not on uh, purely on Dex, actually. Uh, our uh, core vision was to provide connected DeFi for multi-chain world. So that was the uh, core functionality for our chain. And trading is just one piece of this uh, product, DeFi product. So uh, if we see uh, different kinds of like investors within the blockchain, we can see that uh, a lot of uh, investors are now holding position, DeFi position within multiple blockchain right now. It's a hassle, it's a headache, and it is, it is really difficult. It's a full-time job to manage this position. So it is like uh, practically impossible for ordinary users to approach this. That is the reason why DeFi is not popular until now, because it costs a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of research. So we believe that there should be an easier but trust trustless way to invest into different kinds of DeFi within different blockchain without approaching to this multiple blockchain. So we want to have a gateway for DeFi products within our blockchain so that you can reach out to DeFi in Ethereum, DeFi in Solana, DeFi in Binance Chain and ETC. So uh, it's, uh, Cosmos blockchains are uh, in, uh, expanding over time, 
but still there are lots of different layer one blockchain and it will be coexisting for a while. And we think that it, it to cover all the ecosystem uh, is crucial for the users to approach to different opportunities. So uh, that product is called Crescent Boost. And this Boost uh, product is the core functionality. And the Crescent Dex is a supporting element of Boost so that they can have very fluent uh, user flow without touching other trading protocol or other uh, DeFi protocol. Uh, just within Crescent, you can enter and exit DeFi position uh, from different blockchain uh, without using other blockchain. So uh, that is our vision. So, so uh, one of the difficult thing about uh, explaining our vision is that uh, when you see different taxes in Cosmos, we see like at least like 20 or more tokens to be traded on the platform. And now in Crescent, we don't have much. We have like five to 10 tokens here, but we don't have any uh, intention to increase the number of tokens uh, in this uh, DEX right now. So uh, people are confused. Uh, why? Why don't you uh, import uh, Evmos, Juno, Osmo, or any other uh, famous token in Cosmos? So. Uh, uh, if you imagine the boost functionality, uh, which is a um, uh, DeFi product connected into our chain, uh, most DeFi product uh, has uh, underlying assets with its own native token. So in, when you go to Ethereum, the most popular uh, DeFi pro products will be composed of Ethereum and USDC or stable coins, and also maybe WBTC. And then if you go to Solana, then uh, Solana token will be the major token. So uh, that is called, uh, we call it main underlying assets. So we are covering main underlying assets uh, prioritized within our Crescent Dex uh, before expanding to different kinds of tokens. So if you see Avmos, Juno, we don't have much DeFi product uh, composed of these tokens. It means that it is not main uh, underlying assets. But Atom has its potential to become a uh, uh, main underlying asset for Cosmos DeFi. So we include this uh, liquidity inside our Crescent, and we are going to provide DeFi product uh, with Atom as uh, underlying assets. So that is why we have that. So uh, that is the connected vision uh, of Crescent DEX uh, for Crescent Boost. Uh, providing vertical integration, not horizontal. So if you expand uh, DEX with like tons of tokens, that is called horizontal expansion. In our case, we have very short range of uh, underlying assets, main underlying assets covered, and then we integrate it vertically so that we can have different kinds of synthetic tokens to be traded on our DEX. So uh, in the future, we'll have more liquidity for synthetic assets than underlying assets. It means that if you go to NASDAQ exchange, you will see a lot of uh, securities are traded as an ETF or ETN. Uh, that is a synthetic asset. Inside this ETF, you have like, different kinds of stocks and other uh, financial products in it. Uh, and 
users, uh, most uh, ordinary users, does not have enough time to research into single stock. So they are approaching differently. They are doing a passive investment. And that is the uh, utility. Uh, ETFs are the utility of uh, ordinary people to invest uh, who doesn't want to uh, invest too much time in uh, researching individual tokens. So uh, uh, that is our approach. So we will have like synthetic assets, uh, like uh, presenting ownership of Uniswap pool investment position, SushiSwap investment position, uh, or like any other uh, DeFi products uh, position uh, with uh, auto compounding feature. So uh, this uh, synthetic as if you just come to Crescent and you buy this synthetic assets, that it is indirectly you are already investing into Uniswap pools. So it's that easy without any like Ethereum wallet. You don't need to install MetaMask to do that. So that is that will be uh, expanding users. Uh, uh, comfortability uh, to invest into different blockchain without hassle. And just to quickly compare, so the, so, so the vision of uh, Boost is one such that it's basically going to be a derivatives, mostly platform yep. based on the blue chip underlying uh, yeah. fungible tokens, uh, mm -hmm. including LP tokens of the big DEXs yes. in other ecosystems. Okay, yes. it's not that y you're going to provide any of the same functionality as the DeFi protocols on the connected mm -hmm. ecosystems, right? It's that you're just supporting those tokens mm -hmm. as a uh, mm -hmm. main underlying asset. Um, those become collateralized, people are able to create derivatives mm -hmm. off of them, or is it, is it that Crescent is going to create derivative products mm -hmm. of a basket of this, these assets and people are able to invest into them and then earn yield? Yeah, everything is possible in the future. Uh, so if you imagine like tons of different kinds of synthetic assets created in, in Crescent, and then uh, creation is not enough because for the boost user, you need to buy this and you need liquidity. You need a exchange, you need a market to trade with. So you need uh, enough liquidity so that you, if you want to buy this synthetic token, you don't want to pay too much slippage, right? So that's the same problem uh, having within Uniswap or any other like native token DEXs. Uh, they want to make more liquidity so that they don't have to pay uh, too much slippage. So it, it is exactly the same problem with different assets. So we have main traded assets uh, as a synthetic assets, and then this synthetic assets should be traded with very low slippage. So we need to provide very capital efficient liquidity uh, for these synthetic assets. Uh, so we need to incentivize this liquidity. So our CRE token will be more used for this liquidity providing for these uh, different kinds of synthetic assets coming from different blockchain. So um, let me explain more about this uh, efficiency of this synthetic asset liquidity providing. So if you imagine uh, Uniswap pool position with uh, half Ethereum and half U USDC, then uh, you can imagine that uh, half of your asset is uh, Ethereum based and half of your asset within the pool 
will be the stable coins. So if you trade this uh, asset, synthetic assets, against Ethereum uh, with half amount, then uh, actually your uh, price risk for these two assets is very similar. Uh, uh, besides only uh, except for uh, impermanent loss. So uh, when the Ethereum price goes like uh, uh, twice, uh, two times, then the, the Ethereum asset will uh, just uh, doubled and this uh, the pool asset will be uh, increased about the same amount but less impermanent loss. That would be like uh, when it is doubled, it, it is like 5.7%. So the, the price of this asset, first, uh, first reserve asset, and this second asset, Ethereum, will uh, differentiate only 5%. So it means that the price of these two assets will be very stable within this range. So it means that range liquidity we um, launched uh, last week. So it it is uh, providing multiplied liquidity within a price range, and we believe that within this uh, token pair, uh, the liquidity can be very efficiently provided within the price range. So uh, we believe that uh, even with like one million TVL, it will it will be more than enough for users to use this liquidity. Uh, not like we don't need like a 10 million or 50 million for this because we have efficiency here. So uh, in that case, we can spend less farming rewards uh, of crescent token from inflation. So uh, these synthetic assets have like very dynamic uh, delta. Uh, we say delta. It means that uh, how many uh, amount of value is changed from underlying asset change. So uh, this is uh, exactly calculated and it, it can be uh, paired with this underlying asset so that the liquidity can be uh, most capital efficient. So uh, in our uh, Crescent Dex with different kinds of synthetic assets, the liquidity providing will be much efficient than native token pools. So uh, we believe that it can be really easy to be achieved. Uh, liquidity can be easily achieved uh, without spending too much farming rewards. How is this impermanent impermanent loss subsidized? Is it because they're getting subsidized by CRE tokens, or is it by virtue of the mechanics of the synthetics? Mm. In professional option trading, uh, we say this as um, um, gamma and theta. So gamma means that uh, Gamma is like impermanent loss. If you, the, if the price goes up too much or down too much, then in both direction you will lose. So that is uh, short gamma. So if you have negative gamma, that and and your uh, position will be look like this. And then if you have long gamma, then your position will be like this. But all the LPs have this like short gamma. So if the price goes too much from this current price, then you will lose. So that is impermanent loss. Uh, 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 but the other side of point of view, you can see uh, farming rewards or in Uniswap, right, trading fees uh, accumulated uh, when you invest into this pool. So that is uh, when you uh, stay this investment more time, 
then you will receive more rewards. So it is dependent with time. So that is called theta in in traditional finance. So it has a positive theta. So if you stay longer, then you will have more rewards. So your position will be like this with short gamma, but with more time, your your umbrella going up. So this is mm. uh, theta. So a uh, theta and gamma is a uh, friend. So they always come each other, and they have uh, different positive and negative sign always. So uh, if you have invested into a uh, positive theta position or uh, like uh, LP position, then you will definitely have your uh, negative gamma. So that is an um, uh, unavoidable uh, problem uh, investor can have. So it, the, the, the right question will be uh, how risk return profile is better uh, for this uh, uh, loss potential and profit potential. So that will be the uh, problem of users to figure out uh, which token will be, uh, which LP will be better for rewards and uh, risk. And I think uh, for um, Crescent to become a gateway of different DeFi, uh, analyzing, researching, and providing optimized position for users will be our responsibility uh, as a uh, protocol provider, but also as a uh, DeFi expert, we hope to uh, provide more information for users so that they can choose better way. And also we hope to provide more automated way for users so that they can invest and does not need to care every day. So uh, that is uh, one of the direction we want to uh, head uh, in the future. Understood. So the way that I'm categorizing Crescent decks in my head is it's sort of less comparable to uh, osmosis or mm-hmm. the the other uh, yeah. you know more permissionless dexes right it's this is more opinionated and you're creating higher level products so it's kind of like mm-hmm. comdex and injective mm-hmm. um, comdex in that you're providing synthetics but it's not necessarily commodities mm-hmm. um, but at what point in the future mm-hmm. does the world of regular securities like uh, like what Comdex is addressing and what Crescentex is addressing with um, like native cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. You know, when does that kind of blend in? Hmm. So uh, we saw uh, Celsius and BlockFi situation uh, recently. Um, uh, we have uh, more uh, problems with regulated uh, but centralized put uh, um, solutions with DeFi investment and also like token investment schemes. So uh, we believe that uh, in current situation, if we see uh, example of DYDX um, migrating from Ethereum to uh, Cosmos, uh, I think the main reason will be regulation. Because uh, in their operation, uh, even though they are utilizing like layer two uh, zk rollup, uh, still their uh, part of their operation is centralized uh, with order book operation, and that causes a regulational uh, challenge with them uh, because um, uh, they have their centralized operation 
So it looks like a service provider of this DEX. Uh, but actually, in crypto world, uh, in in a fully decentralized world, uh, the protocol project team is a developer, not a service provider. So that is the uh, most important scheme for all the blockchain uh, decentralization and transparency uh, serves all this uh, regulatory uh, responsibility. So that is why DYDX want to move on to the, uh, Cosmos with fully sovereign chain uh, so that they can escape from this uh, regulatory responsibility. So uh, um, I think that is a very smart way to do that. Uh, they, because their volume is uh, getting uh, more and, and they get more intention, um, um, attention from a uh, regulatory point of view. So um, I think uh, more uh, DeFi and uh, financial service with tokens, they will try to provide more transparent and decentralized solution uh, because they want to escape from this like regulatory risk. And that is a great thing for this ecosystem because this vision is more like a philosophical thing in the past, but now it is more like a practical thing. Uh, they need to do that uh, to avoid uh, regulatory risk. So I, I believe that uh, more solution will be towards uh, decentralized fashion fully decentralized so that they can avoid problems. Sort of a tangential question, but... You know, some argue that you can't start off centralized and then decentralize over time, while others argue, well, you got to start off centralized and then you could decentralize over time. Which camp do you belong in? Definitely towards decentralization. So we believe you mean that start centralized and then you can decentralize over time. That one? Yes. Uh, relatively, in a relative sense, yes. So uh, from a crescent, we... We have a, a limited number of uh, validators, like 50 right now. And core validators, we are like less than 20 right now. This is mostly because of uh, operational cost and also um, performance reason for the order book, on-chain order book. So uh, we don't have enough confidence to provide this order book uh, functionality with uh, low latency um, with like 200 validators yeah. uh, scattered around the world. So our advice for the validators to, is to set up their nodes within certain reason, uh, currently Tokyo reason, because uh, all the centralized exchange, uh, most of the centralized exchange is located in Tokyo region. And uh, it is great for us to have a uh, server near uh, Binance or other exchange, then uh, market makers will be more comfortable hedging their position because of low latency uh, between this centralized exchange and our exchange. So that is the strategical uh, direction we have. Uh, we, we are not enforcing them, but we are advising them to uh, have server in Japan. And then uh, that is like kind of centralized uh, approach uh, kind of view from our perspective. Uh, we hope to like expand this uh, further so that we can have more validators, more like uh, cloud uh, within Japan still. We, we can have like uh, Google Cloud and other uh, Amazon or others. So we want to expand our decentralization over time 
but we still doesn't have enough confidence on the performance matter. So that is why uh, Bee Harvest is trying to um, uh, research and development more on performance of tender mint uh, core. Uh, because uh, compared to other recent uh, layer one uh, blockchain, uh, Tendermint Core hasn't improved uh, for several years right now. So it's it's it's, it's kind of a little bit old BFT. So we need to improve it, but there's no like strong force in in this ecosystem to improve. But uh, like network like Crescent or even DYDX, they have like very strong intention to improve this functionality. So I think there should be a um, um, integrated power in the ecosystem to research and development together to improve the tendermint performance so that we can provide better options. So uh, not every app chain needs like very performant blockchain. So uh, it, it can be like very small uh, section of the app chain category, but still, uh, that like uh, blockchain with like uh, demand demanding like ten thousand uh, transaction will be one of the main uh, blockchain of all the ecosystem. So uh, we believe that uh, w without this capability, uh, Cosmos cannot uh, grow further uh, because of this performance. Um, um, congestion. So we believe that it should be solved within a one one or two years. So uh, we are uh, trying to have this uh, approach with maybe other team or like growing our team to do that uh, with funding. So that is uh, one of our approach towards uh, better performance, but not only for us, but for entire Cosmos. I'm curious to learn from anybody who's actually dug into Tenement Core and understand who has actually looked at the Merkle tree and how that works. I believe that Tendermint is uh, managed by several people uh, for a long time. Uh, still, uh, there was there were not like significant improvement in the performance yes and we we our uh, research uh, has a conclusion that the, the disk usage uh, is the main um, cause of the um, performance dragging so uh, we are uh, making different kinds of ideas to solve this uh, using more memory and less disk uh, so that is uh, will be the main uh, idea for us, but still there will be other um, options, including so uh, more decentralized blockchain with like more validators. Uh, the performance is dependent with the most uh, slowest validator. So it means that if you have like 200 validators, then slowest one will decide the performance. So that is really uh, tricky situation when you uh, pursue decentralization. So that is why we sacrifice a little bit of uh, this uh, decentralization and uh, getting more uh, performance. When we have more uh, setup uh, configuration with more centralized uh, validator setup, then we can 
ask them to have better resource, and then uh, the next step will be a software to fully utilize this resource because the hardware is improving over time and the cost is going down over time. So uh, it means that validators can spend more money to provide better resources. So if you can, we can fully utilize this uh, resource uh, invested into uh, this uh, infrastructure, then we can improve our performance drastically. But still, uh, the Tendermint and Cosmos SDK is not ready for those kind of like extremely improved performance uh, optimization. Let's talk about the liquid staking mm-hmm. uh, BCRE token um, and then wrap up with whatever housekeeping items you want to cover. We decided to have this uh, liquid staking solution uh, from lunch. Uh, this is because of uh, opportunity cost existing in this uh, tokenomics. So, uh, uh, for example, if, if there's an atom holder, then, uh, if, if they, if, if he holds this, uh, for a while, then, uh, definitely he, they want to, uh, stake their atoms. So they will receive a staking rewards, which will be like, um, much higher than 10% right now. Uh, so, uh, if you want to, uh, attract users to use your atom, then you need to provide this staking rewards plus alpha. So that, that is a very big, uh, huddle for DeFi to adopt, uh, because in this uh, DPoS uh, networks, all the networks has staking and staking rewards. And those are, uh, especially higher in, uh, early days. So, uh, like, for example, like Evmos has like more than 100%, uh, APR for staking. And when you want to use this token in DeFi, then you need to provide 150. So that's an insane number, uh, not practical, not sustainable for the any kind of ecosystem. So uh, we believe that uh, liquid staking remove this um, opportunity cost. So if you imagine there's a B atom uh, providing uh, liquid staking, and your staking rewards are accumulated within this token already, then when you utilize this B atom, you will have much lower demand for APY than native atom because you are already receiving the rewards. So uh, that is the core reason why we have uh, liquid staking is very important from launch because it harms all the tokenomics within the blockchain uh, demanding higher rewards for native token. So uh, uh, that was a necessary step for us. Any last housekeeping items you want to talk about with respect to launch dates or how people can uh, claim tokens? So I understand all the complexity around the uh, DEX, uh, Crescent DEX vision and um, policy around governance. Uh, with all the liquidity providing farming uh, plans and everything. Uh, we hope to uh, provide more information with our blog and like uh, interview like this so that we can provide uh, our direction towards uh, uh, Crescent uh, core functionality boost. So uh, with our boost, 
we hope to provide uh, the core functionality and the DEX is a supporting element of this boost. So we have this special purpose for this uh, DEX to provide liquidity for more on the main underlying assets and uh, synthetic assets as a core liquidity. So that is why we are not expanding to other uh, tokens. And uh, I hope uh, we are going to provide uh, soon uh, with the blog post, not only like general uh, explanation of our vision, but also like more technical deep dive. So we have a researcher uh, writing down the series of technical blog so that uh, we can uh, write down all the mathematics there and also uh, like all the uh, quantitative uh, intuition and like uh, big picture inside this like whole blockchain ecosystem uh, and everything so that uh, users can understand the uh, whole uh, blockchain with uh, DeFi products and, and they can uh, decide uh, whatever they want uh, with our uh, information provided. So um, uh, we are doing our best and uh, the core functionality boost will be launched uh, actually October. And we are working really hard to do that. Um, it, it is really hard, but uh, still it, it, it is uh, planned. And uh, our target is to demo this uh, in Cosmoverse uh, in Colombia. So end of uh, September. So uh, please uh, stay tuned with this uh, plan and uh, uh, see you guys again. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys at Cosmoverse. Thank you, Hyung, for coming. Thanks for tuning in to Interchain FM. As always, I will read through the pages of white papers and condense only the alpha for you in a one hour long digest. Be sure to subscribe to Chango and Chain's YouTube channel to be up to date about the latest technology and never miss a live streamed episode.